Santa. Uh, so our, our title for today's message is the bread of life, borrowing Jesus' own phrase from the passage. just want to let you know right off the top that there are other sermons available on the website and on our church app. And so if you need your sermon to be gluten-free, you can access one of those. Uh, this one... This one's going to be a lot of bread. Uh, we, we, of course, have a different relationship today with bread than most people throughout human history, right? We have people who have gluten intolerances. We have people who are worried about the calories, worried about the carbs. And so it's not uncommon nowadays for, you know, for restaurants to accommodate you. They, they'll, they'll substitute out the bread. You can ask for a gluten-free menu if you want, or, you know, you can order your cheeseburger wrapped in lettuce which is just a, just a cruel indignity for the cheeseburger to have to endure. Like, what did that cheeseburger ever do to you? That's not, that's not, for most people through history, that's not their relationship. That hasn't been their relationship to bread. See, for most human beings throughout history, they weren't so much worried about upset stomachs or flabby stomachs. They were worried about empty stomachs. And so bread was a, a big deal. There's a, a food writer, uh, Michael Pollan, he has a book which became a, uh, a Netflix documentary uh, called Cooked. It's pretty cool. And, and in it, at, at one point, he talks, about, he talks about bread and the role of bread in human civilization. He says, if I give you flour, I stole this from the church kitchen. If I, if I give you flour and water, like just a tub of flour, you could live on that for a while. Like you could drink the water and you could eat the flour. It wouldn't be very much fun, <laughs> right? It'd be spoonfuls of flour. You could live for a while, but eventually your nutritional needs would not be met, and you would die. But if you took the flour, and if you baked it into bread, then it becomes something. It becomes something that can meet your basic nutritional needs, okay? It, it becomes something that you could survive on indefinitely. Now, certainly, you know, if, you, if it was the right season, or if you had, uh, had some money to spend on food, you might want to get some other stuff, get some, you know, I don't know, some honey or some butter or some meat or some veggies, but you could, you could subsist on bread. And so, and so bread, he, he says, is this, this kind of um, huge technological advancement for human beings, that we figured out how to cook flour into bread. It was a huge advancement for human beings because it, we were able to um, put something between us and starvation, that's what bread has been for most of human history. Certainly uh, for first century, uh, you know, Middle Eastern peasants, that's, that's their relationship to bread. It's this crucial resource. If you have it, you're going to make it. If you don't have it, you're probably not going to make it. Jesus comes along in our passage for today and he says, that's what I am. He says, that's what I am. So to catch you up, uh, we're, we're continuing our series through John's gospel, John's account of the story of Jesus. And we're in this interesting section in chapters 5 to 10 where Jesus attends and disrupts four Jewish uh, religious festivals. And so in chapter 5, we saw that Jesus attended and disrupted the festival of Real? bread? It's a good try. Sabbath. 
He attended and disrupted the festival of Sabbath. And then here we are in this chapter, and early on in the chapter in verse 4, it says it was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Okay, so this, this whole story is taking place in the context, and it's interacting with uh, the Jewish Passover celebration. I want to let you know what that is. Um, the, the Jewish people... Um, set aside time every year. God had commanded them to set aside time every year to remember a key moment in their history. So 1,500 years before Jesus, uh, we read about this in the book of Exodus, the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt, and God sent a prophet, his name was Moses, and Moses led the people out of slavery in Egypt. Okay, he, he led them out. And immediately, this is part of the story, and it's going to become important, um, immediately after he led them out of slavery... They had a problem because they were over a million people, and what's next to Egypt? A desert. It's hard to feed a million people in the desert, and so they had a problem. And so Exodus 16 tells us about how God helped them with the problem, this, this problem they had with, of food. So it says, The whole community of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of sin. Uh, between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate the bread, ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into the wilderness to starve us to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Every day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they will gather food, and when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. usual. And so if you read Exodus 16, if you continue reading, you'll find that they, they wake up in the morning, and as the, the morning dew dries up, there are these flakes of this bread-like substance on the ground, uh, which they called... Uh, they called it manna, which means what is it? Because it's these flakes on the ground. But they would take it, they would gather it up, and they would um, prepare it into these little kind of cakes. And they would eat this miraculous bread, and that's what kept them alive uh, in the desert for 40 years. So that's part of the Passover story, and here we are, and it's Passover time. It's Passover time, and you may remember from two weeks ago that the, the story, this, this chapter, starts out uh, with a pair of miracles. Okay, uh, first, Jesus fed 5,000 people. Actually, it's 5,000 men plus women and children, so it could have been 10,000 people. They were in a remote place. Jesus was teaching them. Everyone got hungry, and they had five loaves and two fish, and Jesus miraculously multiplied the food, and he fed them all. Impressive. And then that night, uh, Jesus' Jesus' disciples were sailing across the Sea of Galilee, which is nearby, and Jesus, uh, a storm comes up, and they're in trouble. And Jesus miraculously walks on water and he delivers them across the sea. And so Wes told us two weeks ago that this story of Jesus at Passover has four episodes. Okay, the first episode is the feeding of the 5,000. The second episode is Jesus walking on water. And the third episode is revenge of the Sith. <laughs> Just kidding. Episode three is, is today's text. And scholars call it the bread of life discourse. In reality, it's actually a sermon, but we'll get to that in a moment. There's one more piece of setup that we have to do before we get into it. 
Uh, we'll just dip back into last week's text a little bit. So, verses 14. Oh, interesting. Sorry, I just got an iPad problem here. Huh. Can we hit the next slide there, Austin? Oh, it's really cool when the iPad thing works. Okay. This is going to be interesting. Okay, Austin, you might have to follow me. Um, so, verse 14 and 15. It says this. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. Uh, so the question is, why did they call Jesus the prophet we've been expecting? Why did they call him that? It's because they've been expecting a prophet. <laughs> I'll show you what I mean. Sorry, I'm just trying to get this thing going here. So grouchy right now. Okay. Uh, so, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. Let's go there. Okay, here's what we're doing. Wes, can you pass me my phone? I'm preaching. Forget the iPad. Thanks. Let me use my phone. Austin, follow me, please. This is going to be great. Technology. We've mentioned in this series before that... Um, that Moses, 1,500 years before Jesus, had prophesied that, um, that a prophet like him would come. And so Deuteronomy 18.15, Moses says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites, and you must listen to him. So for 1,500 years, God's people have been sitting on, waiting for this prophecy. And, and so every Passover, when Passover comes, they would look back and they would think about Moses, but they would also say, listen, there's another, there's another Moses coming. And every Passover, they would remember that and say, when's he going to come? When's he going to come? By the time of Jesus, um, the rabbis were teaching that like Moses, this prophet would be two things. He, he would be a deliverer like Moses. And listen, he would bring a miraculous supply of bread just like Moses brought manna in the wilderness. Interesting. So now it's Passover time. People are thinking about that. People are thinking about Moses and the prophet like Moses. And Jesus comes out and he does this miracle where he supernaturally provides a bunch of bread for a big crowd of people. There's no end ambiguity within the Jewish mind about what this means. And they get it. They say, this is the prophet. This is him. This is the guy. This is the guy. And it says they want to make him king because if they, you know, if, if, he's, if he's also a deliverer like Moses, we're under Roman rule right now. Maybe he can deliver us from Roman rule. That's not the agenda. That's not Jesus' mission. And so Jesus uh, slips away. And the next day they track him down and that's where we get our discussion for today. They've, they've recognized that this guy could be the prophet who was going to come. And they've tracked him down now, and they're going to ask him more questions. So there's a little bit of back and forth. And in chapter 6, verse 30 uh, to 31, it says, uh, they say to Jesus, show us a, a miracle. Excuse me. 
Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. So here they are. They, they track Jesus down again, and they're investigating, okay? They're trying, to, they're trying to figure out, is this the guy? Is this the guy? They, you know, the guy was the prophet who was going to come. If he was really like Moses, maybe he would bring bread from heaven. This wasn't bread from heaven per se. It was bread from earth. He just multiplied it. So they're trying to figure it out. Um, and they wind up giving, giving Jesus this quotation from Scripture. Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. That's either a quote from uh, Exodus 16, which we read, or from Psalm 78, which retells Exodus 16. Now, you need to understand three things. Before Jesus responds to them. Number one, they're in the synagogue. Verse 59 tells us that. They're in a public worship gathering. Number two, every year at Passover, there were prescribed readings. There were certain readings that you read at Passover time in the synagogue. Among them, Exodus 16 and Psalm 78. That's what they're quoting here. They're not just pulling it out of thin air. They're quoting that day's scripture reading from the synagogue. And then the third thing to know is that um, when people gathered in the synagogue, they would hear teaching from the rabbis. And the format was they would take a scripture from that day's scripture reading, they would take a verse, and the rabbi would restate it, and then he would comment on it word by word. And what you find actually, if you trace this, the whole length of this passage, that's what Jesus does. He restates this verse that they give him. Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. He restates it, then he talks about bread, then he talks about from heaven, then he talks about eat. They, they literally give Jesus this passage, and he preaches a sermon to them. That's what our passage is today. It's a sermon. That's why it's so long. No, that was a joke. <laughs> so Jesus preaches a sermon to them. He's preaching a sermon on this text that is about this Old Testament bread story, and where he's going to go with it, he's, he's going to say... That Moses' bread from heaven was a pretty good bread from heaven. But I'm the ultimate bread from heaven. That's where he's going to go in these verses. And so um, now we can actually jump into the verses. Um, and so this, this bread of life discourse is just going to teach us two things today. Uh, number one, Jesus is what we need. And number two, Jesus is a daily need. Jesus is what we need and Jesus is a daily need. Uh, notice what Jesus says in verse 26 and 27. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me uh, because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. So right away, these people catch up with Jesus, and he identifies it. Look, guys. The reason why you're, you're after me, the reason why you want to be involved with me is because you saw that I was giving out material blessing, okay? I, I was miraculously giving out bread, and that's what's, that's what's giving you this enthusiasm to get to know me, right? If you're a first century uh, Middle Eastern peasant, like bread goes, goes a long way. You, you work hard for your, your daily bread. You're probably just scraping by. And if there's someone who's just giving out bread to thousands of people, insane amounts of bread to everyone, 
you want to get involved in that. Maybe this month you don't have to scrape by. Maybe this month you can pay the rent on time. Maybe, maybe this month you, you can have bread and still have some money left over for butter. And what Jesus, so Jesus says, that's why you're coming to me. And what Jesus tries to get them to see here, spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. He's trying to get them to see that your greatest need is not, is not physical bread that gives you physical life. It's spiritual bread that gives you spiritual life, or he says here, eternal life. Your deepest need is not a full belly, says Jesus. You need something deeper. You need a deeper kind of bread. And we've already said that uh, Jesus is that, is that bread. And so verse 35 uh, says, it's a key verse. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. See, they came to Jesus thinking that Jesus would give them bread. And Jesus says, no, I am the bread. Because Jesus doesn't give you what you need. He is what you need. That's the first thing to learn from, from the bread of life discourse. Jesus doesn't give you what he I mean, he does give you what you need. But he is what you need. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. He doesn't say I'm the cake of life. Right? You can... Uh, you can satisfy, satisfy your hunger with something else, and I'm just a little, you know, luxury that you add on sometimes for special occasions. He doesn't say I'm the salt of life, where something else is the main dish, and, you know, I just add a little bit of my flavor. He says I'm the bread of life. I'm the thing that's between you and starvation. Remember the way that your ancestors were, were in the desert? A million people in the desert, they could have become extinct quite quickly, but God provided bread from heaven. He says that's what I am. I'm the thing between you and, uh, and starvation. If you have me, you'll be satisfied. You'll have uh, the, the strength that you need to make it through the day. If you don't have me, you're probably not going to make it. He unpacks it more uh, later. And so in, in verse uh, 48, he says, yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I will offer so the world may live, is my flesh. I am the bread which came down from heaven. Okay? So, so listen, the, uh, the bread that he multiplied for the 5,000, that wasn't really heavenly bread. Everyone gets that. So they're thinking, can you do heavenly bread? Can you do bread from heaven like Moses did bread from heaven? And Jesus says, yeah, I can. I'm the bread from heaven. And he says, anyone who eats this bread will live forever. Your ancestors ate bread, and, and that bread from heaven was pretty good. It met their nutritional needs, but ultimately they all died. All that bread did was delay death. Jesus says, I'm a kind of bread that will defeat death. Most, most bread delays death. I'm going to defeat death, says Jesus. So here's why this all matters. Uh, we human beings have a habit of going to people and places other than Jesus. Going everywhere but Jesus 
to try and have our deepest needs met. We have this habit of going everywhere but Jesus to have our deepest needs met, and then we're surprised when our deepest needs are not met. Uh, this, and this is a frequent, this is a frequent idea in Scripture. The prophet Isaiah says it this way. Uh, he, says, he says, why spend money on what is not bread? Why spend your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. It's the same idea. God is saying here what Jesus says in John 6. I'm what you need. Don't chase after other... Look. Don't eat handfuls of flour. There's bread on the table. This is what we humans do. We have, we have a deep uh, need. We have a deep hunger within us, and we run around and everything and say, maybe this will be bread. Maybe this will be bread. Maybe this will fill me up. Um, and, and we wind up dissatisfied. So I'm, uh, I'm officiating a wedding this afternoon uh, in two hours. Outdoors. Do you believe in prayer? <laughs> uh, it's okay. My suit jacket is made by Patagonia. We'll see what happens. Um, so I'm officiating this wedding. Uh, one of the things that happened during our premarital counseling with this couple is I said to them, uh, did you guys ever see that movie Jerry Maguire? And they, said, they looked at me so blankly. And I looked it up afterwards, and these two people who are adults that I'm marrying now, they were born the year after Jerry Maguire came out, which messed me, uh, that messed me right up, okay? Like I felt so old. I sprouted three new gray hairs just thinking about it. They're like, what? What is Jerry Maguire? So, so this is a, a dated reference. I'm just, this is me now. I'm just a, an old man making old references. Jerry Maguire, you may remember the movie from the 90s. Tom Cruise in it, in the climactic scene, he, com- he comes and, and he's, he's in the room with his, uh, his wife. Renee Zellweger plays, plays, plays his wife. Um, and he says to her, you complete me. You may remember that if you're old enough, right? Everyone's crying. You complete me. That's the, uh, that's the story of love that our culture likes to tell. I'm incomplete, but if I meet this person, I'll be complete, right? We're aware that we're incomplete. We're aware that there's something missing in our lives. If we find this person, they'll, com- they'll complete me, or to use the language of, of uh, you know, bread, Maybe they'll, they'll satisfy me. And I said to them, watch out. Because too many couples go, they'll get 6, 12, 18 months into marriage. And they realize, they're surprised to realize, I married this person, I thought they would complete me. And I'm still incomplete. I'm still incomplete. I'm, I'm still not satisfied. And it, they wind up dissatisfied. Sometimes they, uh, they wind up divorced. Why? Because they're, they're asking their spouse to be the bread of life. They're asking their spouse to meet the most fundamental needs of, your, of their soul. They're, a, they're asking their spouse to, to do what only Jesus can do. Listen, your spouse is, I'm sure, is great. No human being can be the bread of life for you, though. No human being can complete you. 
we do this. We do this all the time. Maybe it's not your marriage. Maybe it's your kids, right? If, if, if your child has this, the uh, athletic success you had, the academic success that you never had, the, the career success you never had, um, maybe then you'll be satisfied. Maybe it's, maybe it's your career. Maybe it's your car. Maybe it's your appearance, okay? Maybe it's your social media likes. We're looking all over the place for something that will satisfy we're looking everywhere but the bread of life, and we're eating handfuls of flour when there's bread on the table. Jesus says, I'm what you need. The other thing that we do is sometimes we come to Jesus, and uh, we come to Jesus to have our needs met, but we ask Jesus to meet our needs with something other than him. Right? That's what the people here do. They come to Jesus, good, but they don't ask Jesus for Jesus. They ask Jesus for bread, and Jesus calls them out for it. Again, Jesus doesn't just give you what, he, what you need. He is what you need. Something to think about in your, in your prayer life. You know, sometimes we, sometimes we pray for, you know, maybe you're praying for, um, for harmony in, in your marriage and family. Maybe what your marriage and family need is more Jesus. Maybe you're praying for, for God to help you with worry and stress. Maybe your worry and stress need more Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. I'm, I'm what you need. So Jesus is what we need. And then secondly, Jesus is a daily need. So back to verse 35. It says, I'm, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You ever have a verse that you kind of just didn't believe? This is a hard one, right? Never be hungry again. Never be thirsty again. See, if you've been a Christian for a while, like, I've been a Christian for a while. I, I came to Jesus a long time ago. I believed in Jesus a long time ago. And there are days I feel pretty hungry, spiritually hungry, spiritually thirsty. I feel like I don't have what it takes to get through the day. I feel like I'm not spiritually satisfied. What do we do with this verse? Jesus said it. So the Greek language is a little bit more nuanced in, in its grammar than English. Um, the Greek words here for uh, come to me and believe in me are they're present ongoing verbs. They're not past perfect verbs, which would mean you do it once and it's done. I came to Jesus, done. I believe in Jesus, done. It's present ongoing. So, so what Jesus is actually saying is, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me and keeps on coming to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me and keeps on believing in me will never be thirsty again. If you read um, Exodus chapter 16, you find that, that um, the people had to gather manna this heavenly bread. They had to gather it every day. God said, just gather enough for today. There will be enough again tomorrow, and you can gather for tomorrow. Don't, don't store it up. And in fact, if they stored it up, they would find that it rotted by the next day and would be filled with 
with maggots. Why? Because God was teaching them to depend on him every day. Don't set up some sort of storage system where you're going to take care of it. You've got it figured out and you're going to meet your needs. Listen, you got to keep coming back to me every day. You got to gather manna every day. That's the kind of bread that Jesus is. It's a, he's a daily need. Jesus is a daily need. So listen, do you feel spiritually hungry? Spiritually unsatisfied? Do you feel spiritually like you don't have the nourishment and strength to make it through the day? The most basic question, the first question to ask is, have I had any bread of life today? Have I had any bread of life today, or am I trying to make it through this day on an empty stomach, spiritually, or eating handfuls of flour, spiritually? Have you had any bread of life today? Um, and so I just want to encourage you to daily be in prayer, to daily be in God's Word, and to daily be living in dependence on Jesus. He's a daily need. You don't... You don't store up enough one day and then that lasts you through the week. He's a daily need. Feed yourself daily. And so Jesus, near the end of this text, says, he says this really weird thing. He says, the bread is my flesh. You need to eat my flesh. You need to drink my blood. People are shocked. It's kind of a, it's a weird thing to say. People are shocked by it. Now, Ultimately, it's just a metaphor. We're not going to dig into it too much today. It's a metaphor. He's saying, look, I'm, I'm the bread of life. Uh, take a bite. What relationship do you have with food, with food that you eat? It becomes part of you, and it gives you the life that is in it, right? In the sense of nourishment. So this loaf of bread has life in it, in the sense of nourishment. If you eat it, it becomes part of you and it gives you the life that is in it. Jesus says, that's what I want to do for you. And, and when he says, eat my flesh, it's just a bold way of saying, look, don't just think good thoughts about me. Eat me. Like, enter into a relationship that is that close where I become part of you and where I give you the life that I have in me. And so worship team, uh, prayer team, you guys can take your places. If you're here today and you're a Christian, or if you're not a Christian, the invitation is the same. There's bread on the table. Have you eaten today? Jesus says, I want to share my very life with you. I'm the bread of life. Eat me and you'll live. Eat me and let me give you the life that I have. Amen. Amen. Um, we're going to, uh, if you want to stand and sing with us again, we're going to sing that song that we had um, played before called Christ is Enough. And I think it's just a great response to that sermon of just declaring that Christ is enough for us.